Hello, and welcome to episode number 190 of the Lions Podcast. My name is Matt Brown, joined each and every week by Stephen Anders, Brad Allen. We run down all of the games in the NFL. We are already to week 10, guys. We are at the midpoint of the season, and where in the hell did the time go? We knew it was going to come. We knew I was going to quit eating caviar and, and popping bottles of Dom and flying all over in private jets. It is. Uh, it was this past week where I was kicked directly in the crotch by the NFL, and uh, that was that was bound to come. And uh, looking forward to trying to rebound here this week in week 10. If you want to follow Steven on the Twitter machine at Steven Andrus one, if you want to follow Brad at Brad Allen NFL, you want to follow me at Matt Brown M two um, quickly guys, because we do have a lot of games to get through, but Steven, just your, your quick thoughts on week nine as we head into week 10. Yeah, it was uh, funny. I talked to Christian Cipollini at BetMGM earlier in the week and week eight was the worst week on record for betters in the NFL ever. And then week nine became the worst week on record <laughs> ever for betters in the NFL. So we've had back to back, very bad weeks for the public uh, as we try to navigate here the rest of the way. Brad, how did, uh, how did week nine treat you? And what do you think of what you saw? I mean, obviously a, a bunch of teams that everybody has power rated very highly, uh, either no showing or losing or whatever it might be. So what, what was your, what was your takeaway there from week nine? Yeah, it's fine. Got got kicked in the teeth by that Dallas game. I think I think one thing, one broader takeaway is that it seems like the situation matters a lot this year. Um, it, like, it feels like there's a lot of teams sometimes not turning up motivated and you know playing way below their level. And you know, I, th- I think it's probably quite important for us to try and try and handicap that before beforehand. You know, not just the stats, but our teams looking ahead. Are they? fat and happy as it were uh, one thing that I think Chris Collinsworth mentioned he said he's been going around to a lot of these training camps or you know midweek practices and stuff and said that teams aren't practicing as much like they're, they're much it's much lighter workload uh, because of the extra week of the season you know they, they want to keep guys healthy so I mean I'm wondering if maybe if there's a big game coming up that week they, they're literally just training harder they're practicing harder and when you know when it's the Cowboys they're 8-0 and or 7-1 and or whatever they're, they're sort of taking quite a light week and yeah as the Broncos by 10 point favorites will handle it and then obviously they're not so poss- possibly uh, you know something we should be thinking about well guys let's kick things off here uh, Tampa Bay Bucks coming off of a bye at the Washington football team the Bucks are nine and a half to 10 point favorites a total of 51 and a half in this one it does not look like they're going to get Antonio Brown back um there was real big hope that he would be back with this offense after the bye but apparently looks like it's going to take him a little bit longer to get healthy there for them and then this Washington football team still dealing with uh Ryan by the way Ryan Fitzpatrick just kind of faded off the face of the earth right like he gets hurt in week one and he's like no one even cares to check in to see what's going on with Ryan Fitzpatrick when the hell he was ever going to be back um with this team so it's still going to be the Taylor Heineke show for the Washington football team uh Steven I'll start with you here I know that there's nothing in your account on this one but um what do you think here with this Bucks team coming out of a bye heading over to Washington I don't think there's a, an edge in terms of that angle on either side because both teams are coming off of a bye here. Yeah. Um, I, I do 
recall Brad mentioning something a couple of weeks ago when all of these weapons are healthy for the Bucs. That's what makes them the Super Bowl team that they were a year ago when it was Antonio Brown and Mike Evans and Chris Godwin and Rob Gronkowski. I mean, it's it's borderline unstoppable. We come into this game, not just with Antonio Brown. He's out of the walking boot, but Bruce Arians is saying he's still unlikely to play. Now, Chris Godwin has a foot issue on Wednesday that we need to monitor as well. So I'm kind of staying away from big spreads that the Bucks have to cover here, especially, um, you know, like, against a team that can still get a decent amount of pass rush here. But when, when there's not as many weapons for Tom Brady to go through here, that's where I get a little hesitant with trying to back them covering a big number. Now, if Chris Godwin is out, I'm going to be looking very closely for those Mike Evans props. Uh, so we'll see how that plays out and how much they're inflated, but that would be kind of the only angle I'm really interested in this game. Yeah, I actually would be looking at uh, I'd be trying to look pretty hard at Scotty Miller props on this one. Actually, it looks like he is going to be activated off of IR for them. He's been practicing all week and apparently is is back up to speed here. Um, so I would actually be kind of looking for for Scotty Miller props if that were to be the case. And, you know, look, if you're the Bucks and, and if you kind of go along, Brad, with what you're talking about. Maybe you don't play Chris Godwin this week, right? I mean, maybe if there's anything at all that may hamper him for the rest of the season, here we are in a game that is uh, you're you're a big favorite against a Washington team that you're probably still, you know, you probably still are the superior team in every single aspect, even if Chris Godwin and Antonio Brown don't play. So uh, maybe he does take the week off. Yeah, yes, yeah, it's the, the Dak thing again, isn't it? Like he, that maybe even if he is okay to go, just just you know, take the week off, we're here to win the Super Bowl. Um, so yeah, it, it does make it very hard to handicap this game really because, you know, we, we just don't know who, who, who's out there catching passes for the Bucks. Um, I think if, you know, if they do all go, the, the, the over is, is quite an interesting look. Um, we know the football team have been moving the ball and just throwing it away in the red zone. Um, and we know obviously the Bucks can score whoever they want. The Washington football team O-line is getting healthier as well. And they're, they're it's a sneaky good O-line when healthy. Um, but they've been banged up as well the last couple of weeks. So, yeah, you've got to monitor the injury reports, but there, there could be points here. Yeah, I I, I, I agree. If, if this looks, you know, 90 minutes before kickoff, like everybody's going to go, then um, then I think this is something you could look at on the over as well. 51s are still available out there if you want to find one of those. But if not, it's probably a pass for me. Again, I would be looking, though, if they don't play, I would be looking at Scotty Miller props. It looks like he's going to be activated off by R and he'll step right in and familiarity with the offense and all the different things like that. So he'll 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 be the guy I think that benefits the most if Godwin and Antonio Brown don't go in this one. Detroit Lions at the Pittsburgh Steelers. We have the Pittsburgh Steelers who squeaked out a victory in prime time. Everyone got to watch. Everyone got to see whether you agree with the how the refs ref that game against the Bears or not. They It's a win. It's a win. It's a win. It's a win. The win is banked. So the Pittsburgh Steelers are still in the playoff picture as we sit right now heading in to week 10. As we record this, it is down to eight. This thing had gotten up to, it had at least touched double digits for a hot minute. It was sitting at nine and a half, nine. It is now down to eight at DraftKings, eight and a half. It seems like everywhere else in favor of the Steelers. Steven, you have a play on this one. And of course, 
you're going back to the well with the Lions. Dan, the man Campbell is back. Matthew Uh Brown. Yeah. I mean, I I think I do. I, I understand why the market has moved this towards the Lions, though, because if you look at closing numbers versus common opponents this season, let's look at a couple of them. Detroit was a four and a half to five point dog versus Cincinnati on a neutral field. Pittsburgh was a one to one and a half point favorite against Cincinnati on a neutral. So you do the math. It's about a five and a half to six and a half point difference between the Lions and the Steelers. Go to another opponent. Detroit was one and a half to a two point dog against Chicago on a neutral field. Pittsburgh was five and a half to six, seven to eight point difference if you do the math between these two teams. So that falls in line with this line moving down from the 10, nine and a half back towards the eight this week. Uh, the, the eight and a half was the consensus this morning. When I look, you're seeing some more eights right now. If we get closer to kickoff and some public money moves us back up towards the Steelers and we get nine, I'm, I'm going to bet nine, nine or better would be a bet for me. And perhaps I have to wait for a live line in this game to get to that number. But that's where I would, I would lock in a bet on the lions. I didn't get it earlier this week. So I'm going to be looking out for it closer to kickoff. But I love the spot. The Lions are coming off of a bye and the Steelers are on a short week after playing a really tight emotional game on Monday Night Football to try and sneak out that win. And whenever I can get this many points against this type of offense, I'm going to love it, despite what the names of the teams are. The Steelers offense this year, 30th in PFF grade, 30th in pass block win rate, 31st in early down success rate, 28th in run block win rate, 26th in explosive plays. You're giving me nine points or two possessions against an offense like that. That's fine. I'll take that. Brad, we do have four units that play in this game, though, and at least one of them is good. <laughs> at least the uh, d- at least the Pittsburgh defense is good. So, yes, the offense has been struggling all year long, but at least the defense is good as to where Detroit is going to field two poor units um, against this team. I think that, you know, I, I was, I thought that double digits was too much. Now that it creeps back down towards eight, I think it's getting more into the appropriate range. I actually played this early in a teaser with the Ravens, um, and have the Steelers down to two in this thing. I think there's a little bit of recency bias going on here that the Lions were on by. So people forgot just how bad this team is. And the Steelers played in prime time where everybody watched the game and got reminded of this offense and how clunky this offense can be. And so I think there's a little bit of recency bias going into this one that last thing we saw was the Steelers. And then we've totally forgot about the Lions because they didn't play this past week. So I uh, don't think I would lay the big number here with the Steelers, but getting this thing down to under a field goal, uh, I, they're going to win this game by, by, by a field goal. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll probably like, I'll probably go with Steven's angle um, a little bit because it is, it is that spot where we've got a winless team off a bye, right? They will, they will be absolutely focused here. Um, you know, they're, <laughs> they've been wandering around Detroit, everyone going, boo, you suck. Whereas Steelers just won four in a row, just won a game on prime time. It, and now, now they're eight point favorites at home to the winless team, right? This is kind of the situation with stuff I was talking about earlier. This is, this is perfect for the Lions. Um, now I've not bet it because I, I missed the nine. Um, I'll, and I will wait. And the other thing I'm concerned about is this, um, is, is 50% chance of, of rain. It's going to be about 40 degrees Fahrenheit. Um, and old Jared Goff has got his tiny hands from Southern California. So that's, that's a bit <laughs> worrying to me. Um, now the, the other thing I would mention, yes, the Steelers do have the best 
the best D-line, like that's the best unit in the game entirely. Um, looks like the Lions could get Taylor Decker back here at left tackle. But I mean, I don't know if that actually helps them because then they kick Penny Sewell back out to right tackle where he's never played and can't play. So, uh, you, you know, I, I don't know if that actually upgrades the, the Lions offensive line despite adding a good player. Um, so to sum up, yeah, I, I, I would wait, see if I can get nine, nine and a half and I would probably have a small play on the Lions. New Orleans Saints at the Tennessee Titans. This is a game in which all three of us have a play. Rare that this is uh, the case, but all three of us looking at this game right here. Right now, the Saints are two and a half to three point road underdogs to the Titans. A total of 44 and a half to 45 in this one, Stephen, I, I mean, uh, Brad, I'm going to start with you because you are playing the total in this one. And you think maybe that there were too many points in this thing. Uh, yeah, this I like this one quite a lot. Um, so first of all, the last two Saints totals have been buried under. Um, and I know that because I was on both of them <laughs> and lost both bets, right? <laughs> but the, the uh, against the Bucks, it went 51 down to 48 and they flew over. And there was some weird stuff in there like, yeah, penalties extending drives that went for touchdowns. Um, then last week, forty-four and a half. They opened against the Falcons, buried down to forty-two. There was like ten points at half time, and then they scored, I think, thirty-five or something in the fourth quarter. That goes over as well. Um, so I, 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 the Saints, to me, are still a dead net under. They got you know an elite defense, sort of top top five by DVOA. Uh, they run the ball in one of the, you know, they're one of the most run heavy teams in the league. They've got no wide receivers. They've got a backup quarterback. They might not have Alvin Kamara here. So like, what, what do you have? It's probably the Mark Ingram show. Like, I, I don't think they're going to be moving the ball that effectively, especially against a Titans defense, which is, is, is fifth in DVOA over the last five weeks now. Um, people, people still have this perception that it's bad, right? Cause it was bad all last year. It was bad to start the season, but. They are like the perfect modern defense. The, the front four is absolutely savage. Like Harold Landry, D'Amico Autry, uh, Jeffrey Simmons, like they're, they're as good as it gets. And then they can, they can just play, put seven behind it and they cover well. So I think I, I don't see the Saints doing that much with the ball. And then I'm still not convinced by the Titans last week. Um, you know, Tannehill didn't do that much against the Rams. And then, as I said, the, the Saints are very good. I mean, I feel like we're going to see a lot of Adrian Peterson for two yards, Adrian Peterson for two yards, failure, failure, fail to convert on third down, punt away and, and repeat. So, um, yeah, under 45 is, is, I think, still about in the market. I, th- I think that's quite a strong play. Yeah, definitely. Uh, definitely a, a smart play. Good luck on that one. Uh, Stephen and I are opposite on this one. I am on the Tennessee side here. I took Tennessee at two and a half. As the favorite in this thing, I was getting out ahead of what I think is uh, some kind of writing on the wall about the status of Alvin Kamara here. There is there were rumblings coming from beat writers that he was a little bit nicked up and that he was kind of feeling some stuff from the game this past week. Then the Saints did a very telling thing. They went out and worked out three running backs this week, and then they signed one of them to their practice squad as well. And so they did something in the early early part of the week that typically teams don't do unless there's at least some sort of issue. They didn't have to sign a guy early on in the week. They could have waited till later in the week, but they decided to do that early on. And so I'm kind of reading the tea leaves here that Alvin Kamara, even if he does play, is not completely healthy. And with this offense in the state that it's in right now, without Alvin Kamara out there, it is a bottom 
six unit maybe in the entire NFL. Uh, He's the only guy that's been a consistent playmaker for them. And with that, I don't see any way in the world they're going to be able to move the ball through the air because as Brad, as you just mentioned, they, this Titans defense has started getting pressure on the quarterback. Now, Trevor Simeon is going, I mean, overall for the whole season, they now moved into the top 10 and pressure rate on quarterbacks. And it's even higher over the last month of the season as well. And so now Trevor Simeon getting with the feeling tons of pressure is going to beat me through the air here in some way, shape or form like that. That's just not going to happen. And like, as you mentioned, I mean, they just want to plot along on the ground. Eventually they will get stopped. And if you're only asking me to, to cover a field goal here, uh, two and a half points that I've only, I've only got to win this thing by a field goal against the saints offense that again, I consider as a bottom, a bottom eight unit with Camara, bottom five unit without him. Um, I'll, I'll go ahead and take that as it is. This this is not recency bias for me. This is not me riding the the train here of the Titans and all that. This is strictly more of a play against the Saints and what they're going to be fielding and how they play offense in today's NFL. Uh, Steven, I know you were on the Saints side, so tell us why you're wrong. <laughs> uh, the this here's the thing, Matt. I, I do agree with you that Alvin Kamara is a huge factor in this equation this week, right? Because Alvin Kamara is everything to that offense. So everything I'm I'm about to say about the Saints is contingent on Alvin Kamara playing in this game. And I do think he's possibly banged up. I think it's also why they might have traded for Mark Ingram a couple of weeks ago if he's been playing banged up. So again, everything that I'm about to mention here to try and back the Saints is if Kamara plays. I haven't made a bet yet because of that. So let's see if he does play. If he does, these are the reasons why I like New Orleans. If you look at just the spread based on closing numbers, it doesn't really make a ton of sense. If you look at common opponents like we did with the Lions, the the Saints were were minus six playing the Seahawks without Russell Wilson. So let's say Russ plays. That's that's a pick them or Saints like a one point dog. The Titans were six and a half point dogs against Seattle with Russell Wilson. Granted, it was earlier in the season. So maybe you want a more recent example. New Orleans was five, five and a half point dog on a neutral to Tampa Bay. Tennessee was a five and a half, six point dog on a neutral to the Rams. So even if you rate the Rams and the Bucks as basically equal, you would conclude that New Orleans and Tennessee should basically be equal or near a pick on a neutral field based on this math. So if this is moving towards a flat field goal for Tennessee in this game and home field last time we checked is not worth three points, then I like New Orleans as a as a three point dog here. If I'm getting the full three at a flat minus one ten, when Tennessee has the ball, they're the number sixteen DVOA offense, and they're facing the number three DVOA defense by PFF grades. Number eleven PFF offense versus the Saints, number four PFF defense, and more concerning for the Titans offense, 18th in early down success rate against a Saints defense that's third in early down success rate. So again, Alvin Kamara has to be playing for me to make this bet, but I like New Orleans if I'm getting the flat three. If I can't, I like them with Alvin Kamara playing at a plus eight and a half teaser leg as well if we're, if we're getting two and a half on the spread. 
Yeah, I, I, I listen. It's it's hard for me to disagree with, with with the stuff that you said there, but I mean, yeah, I mean the comparison of spreads. I've never bought into any of that stuff. I mean, like it's they happen in different parts of the season. And teams are teams are the health of the team at the time when the thing happened is completely different than it is now. And all it's it's. I mean, I understand it's a it's a good baseline, I guess, to kind of go off of things like that. But I've never really used that in any sort of my my handicapping in, in the years because again, I just think that there's there's a lot of misleading stuff that goes on there. You don't really remember exactly what was going on in week three of the NFL at the time compared to week 10. I mean, unless you have a steel trap memory, which maybe you do, but I, I, I don't remember exactly every single thing and every single injury report that was going on and in the various weeks, whenever these teams were playing and how that was all going. And plus our, our idea of what these teams may or may not be, I, I think could also change yeah, as you, well. You and I handicap differently, right? Like we, I look at that more than you do. And, and listen, I, I think, both of us would agree based on the way the Titans have played and the opponents they have beaten in recent weeks. We understand why they're a field goal favorite in this game. It's just a different handicapping style. Yeah. Uh, the other thing I would say is I think that the Adrian Peterson, I mean, the, uh, the, the injury situation for the Titans actually in, in this specific game probably plays into their favor because you don't want to be running the ball into no, that yeah. ridiculous line of the New Orleans Saints. And so it's like they're going to not have a choice but to go to the air, which by the way, they're, they're much easier to pass on than they are to, to run the ball on. They don't get any pressure on the quarterback either. So Tan, Tannehill should, in theory, have a decent little pocket and have a decent chance to uh, to sit back there and, and kind of pick this apart. Julio did look at least healthy this past week, so they've got that going for them as well. All right, let's talk a little bit about the Atlanta Falcons heading over to Dallas to face the Cowboys. This thing is down to eight and a half at some spots, nine still at others, 54 and a half. Your total 55s are available out there as well. The Cowboys coming off of a complete no-show against the Broncos this past week. Just an absolute embarrassment. No, No way around it. That's the only way to say it is the complete embarrassment. For this Cowboys team, the Falcons, uh, nice gritty performances from them here lately to find themselves in the playoff picture in theory. Technically, they are in the playoff picture as we sit here right now entering week 10, which I think is pretty crazy for anybody that would have thought that this was going to uh, to get to that scenario. Steven, uh, I'll start with you in this one. You and I both have plays here. Uh, what are you looking at Falcons and Cowboys? This line's at nine in a lot of spots for the Cowboys as we record this, but there are a couple in the teaser zone here still sitting. There's even an eight still out there. So I like the Cowboys in a teaser spot here in a bounce back week potentially to just beat this Falcons team by a field goal. I look at that game last week against Denver. Uh, there, there's an old saying in horse racing when you have a horse that that is winning and winning and winning and then has a race where they finish like in fifth or sixth that you just draw a line through it right I mean this is this that game last week for Dallas I'm just drawing a line through when the Cowboys have the ball this is the number three DVOA offense against the number 31 DVOA defense this isn't even the Denver defense they're facing this week so Atlanta's D is bottom 10 in a ton of categories and ones that I care about pressure rate pass rush win rate run stop win rate I mean they're dead last in sacks since week six 21st and 29th in defensive EPA and success rate. So uh, the Cowboys should be able to move the ball at will here. And I, I like them as a teaser leg here under a field goal. I also already have this in the account um, again, paired up with the Ravens. So by the time you're watching this, I could already be dead in this one. <laughs> um, but yeah, I've uh, I got this in there with, with the Ravens. I, I listen, this is, 
every team outside of the Cardinals has laid an egg at least once so far this season. Every team that we think is good has laid an egg outside of the Cardinals so far this year. And so we can't just say that every team's bad or that every team is where it just is what it is. Sometimes there are going to be games you go out there and just stuff's not working. Right. And I think that's what happened with the Cowboys this past week. I do expect them to come back and, and, and really assert kind of them being one of those top five, six teams in the NFL, one of those top five, six teams that might actually be able to to get some long-term success and win, you know, deep into the playoffs or something like that. So that that's kind of where I'm at um, with this one. Um, so, Brad, I will uh, I'll head over here to you. What do you think here from this uh, from this Cowboys team as they try to defend home field against the Atlanta Falcons? Um, I, I mean, I think we can write off last week. Like, the, you know, I don't think the Cowboys will play a worse game all season. They they clearly sort of exhaled, right? Dak's back will be good. Um, and like, you know, I, I had Cowboys minus nine and a half and watched that game. And I was just shocked by the lack of pressure, right? They, you know, the Cowboys were good pass rush. Broncos had a backup left tackle and there was nothing. So I, I just don't think that's really indicative of, of what to expect here. Um, and on the other side, I think, I think the Falcons are still fool's gold. Um, you know, they've looked a little bit better in, in recent weeks. I, I do think Matt Ryan's playing well. Um, but it's been against pretty soft schedule. Um, you know, we spoke about the Saints last week as, as just, possibly in a letdown spot as well. And, you know, the Falcons Falcons made them pay for that. Before that, they lost to the Panthers, a terrible team. They they squeaked one out against the Dolphins, another terrible team. They beat the Jets, terrible team. They beat they lost to Washington. They're you know, they're they're not a good team. Um so I, th- I think the Cowboys will be focused. Um I've I've not had a bet, but I, I would only lay it with the Cowboys here. Yeah, the uh look the Falcons defense is last in sack rate in the NFL. They're last in quarterback hit rate in the NFL. So Dak should be one a week, a week removed from coming back off the injury as it is anyway. And two, in theory, if this plays out, shouldn't have to be worried all that much in the pocket about getting smacked around and getting sacked and things like that. And so again, I think everything kind of gets back to normal here for the Cowboys this week. Wouldn't surprise me if this is just a complete blitz in this one, but I, I did just go ahead and play them in a teaser just to, uh, again, I just love the Ravens leg so much this week that I, I went ahead and, uh, and played that with a bunch of bunch of different teams, but do like the Cowboys a ton in this one. Browns at the Patriots. This has crept back up to two and a half in favor of the Patriots. We are sitting with a total of 45 or 46. We know the big news here. OBJ is gone. Um, he is out of town. We don't know where he's going to end up, but he is gone from the Browns. Baker Mayfield continues to play with this injury, but it looks like he's playing all right with this injury. What do I know? I thought when you break your shoulder that maybe it would affect you, but I guess it's uh, not that big of a deal after all. Who knew? Uh, the other big news here coming from the Cleveland side is Nick Chubb is set to miss this one with a COVID with the COVID issue. He is vaccinated. There is a very, very small chance we have seen. I think the number is three players that have been able to make it back in the same week whenever they test positive, but the the rate typically has not been very high. Most guys have to miss at least one game. So Steve, uh, Brad, I'll start with you in this one. Uh, Browns head to New England to face a Patriots team that, look, they the score was not really indicative of what they did on the field last week. They didn't really have to do all that much to beat a, a lowly Panthers team. What do you make of this pa- uh, Patriots squad? And do you think that they are, you know, at this point, a, a field goal-ish better than the Browns? 
no, I don't, think, I don't think they are. I think the Patriots are a bit of a flat track bully. Um, you know, they can beat the bad teams. So just on offense, I feel like if they can run the ball and you don't force Mac to pass. You know, if you, if, if you force Mac Jones to drop back and pass 35 times and he has to throw deep and do all that stuff, he can't do it, right? If, if they can run yeah. all over you and he can do a bit of play action, throw a few screens like against the Jets, didn't even need to do it against the Panthers, then he's fine. But if you force him to drop back, you stop the run, um, which which Cleveland should do, um, fifth, fifth in the NFL. Rush defense DVOA. So this is going to be on Matt Jones, and there's going to be pressure on him because obviously we know about the Browns second in the NFL in pressure rate. So I don't think we see a good game out of the Patriots offense. Um, so I, I did, you know, I did initially back the Browns uh, plus one, well, about plus plus one twenty on the money line right now, which I think is a good bet. Um, but then the, I started to think about the other side of the ball. Now, I do think the Browns should be able to run the ball. So obviously that's what they do best. And that's where the Patriots defense is weakest. Um, 20th in uh, rush defense TVOA. Is it? Something like that. Uh, I've lost it. 21st in um, in PFF rush defense. Um so I think they should have some success, but then I'm thinking Belichick, how, how's he going to stop the Browns team? He's going to stop the run and he's going to say, Baker, you can beat me. Um, and Baker versus Belichick on that defense is more of a concern for me. You know, you think what, think what they did to Darnold last week, think what they've done to a lot of, you know, not non-elite quarterbacks. Um, so, so I kind of hedged, hedged that bet with an under, under 45 as well. Yeah, I played the Browns in the money line as well. I have the Browns in a teaser leg as well in this one. So I, I, look, it's just, they're just a better team for me, top to bottom. I mean, it's, it's, I don't see any discernible difference between, you know, look, I understand, you know, Dernis Johnson is a guy that you're not necessarily jumping up and down about that he's going to have to carry the load. But listen, when he had to start against Denver, he had 168 total yards. He went for 6.6 yards a carry in that game. And so, uh, you know, listen, this team is just built power to run the ball. And that's, this is not that all running backs are interchangeable. Nick Chubb is one of the top five backs in the league. He's awesome. But you do look at a team that their weakness would be their run defense. And I think this team's just built to be able to, to beat up on teams like this. And as you mentioned, Give me this Browns defensive line against Matt Jones all day long. I mean, listen, Matt Jones has been fine. I'm not at all talking shit about Matt Jones. I think that he is bit for a rookie quarterback. He's been nice and poised and he's been, he's done what they've asked him to do, but that's all he's had to do. He has not had to go and win games. He hasn't had to really go and, and really and have, have these massive comebacks or anything like that or been put in weird positions. Like the way that this, Season has gone for the Patriots. They've either been just like really winning games or really losing games and not a lot in between for this team. And so I think this is kind of a rude awakening here for this Browns offensive line. I mean, defensive line coming in against the the rookie quarterback here. I, I think the Browns really kind of assert that they are in Boston. By the way, they're healthier, much healthier on the defensive side of the ball and then even on the offensive side of the ball as well. So I think just uh, overall, this team that I was super high on coming into the season is finally starting to round back around because they're, you know, the the players that I thought were going to be playing on the field are actually playing on the field for them as well. So uh, I think they're a better team all around, Steven. So I played them on the money line. I also threw them in a, in a, in a teaser leg as well to get it up to eight and a half. 
Yeah, I think it's going to be an uphill climb for all three of us if uh, if the Browns don't cover this number this week because I I sprinkled plus 115 on the money line on Monday. I'm probably going to use them in a teaser leg to get them over seven and a half this week. And if this line keeps moving the way it is, just because Nick Chubb's out potentially with COVID and we somehow get a flat three, then I'm going to be on that as well. So I'm not deterred by Nick Chubb being out. I agree with you, Matt. I think he's one of the best running backs in the league, but I still think running backs are worth next to nothing uh, for the spread. And this offensive line is elite. And I, to echo what Brad said, sure, that there's a concern there that, that Belichick could confuse Baker and feast on him. But I think this Belichick defense has also not only feasted on poor quarterbacks, but, but poor quarterbacks that also had poor offensive lines a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. And this is now the number one pass block win rate offensive line in the league against the number 25 pass rush win rate defensive front for the Patriots. So I think Baker should have time in this game to find some open receivers. So, uh, and then on the flip side, when the Patriots have have the ball. It's the number 21 DVOA offense against the number 12 DVOA defense. And like you said, Matt, a lot of those numbers for that defense were when their starters were out. This is an elite defense when they're healthy. This is the number 14 defense uh, number, excuse me, number 14 offense in pass block win rate against the number one pass rush win rate defense. Second in pressure rate, despite the number 24 blitz rate for this Browns defense. They get pressure and they have great players on the back end to help and work with that pressure. Now, we do have to monitor Miles Garrett's status. He didn't practice on Wednesday as we record this. It's at least something we need to keep an eye on. Uh, but this is a mismatch on both sides, I think, in the trenches. And we're getting four and a half points of value from the preseason line. And I agree with you guys. I don't think the market has caught up to this Browns team being healthy. And we're getting a number here based on past results when they were really banged up. Yeah. I mean, listen, not all wins are created equal. Yes, this is a five win Patriot team. You go in. Who have they beaten? They beat the Jets. They beat the Texans. They beat the Jets again. They beat the Panthers. Yes, there was a win against the Chargers in there. That was when that Chargers team maybe played the worst game that we're going to see them play all year long. Mac Jones still only threw for 217 yards in that game, and they were able to win against the Chargers. That tells you anything. So, I mean, it's like you get a Panthers team that that has been, you know, on the biggest one of the biggest declines in the league, and Darnold ends up having to leave that game with a concussion. Then you've got wins, two wins against the Jets and a win against the, the Texans. I mean, like, it's it's completely different. They lose to New Orleans. They lose to Tampa Bay. They lose to Dallas. I think that when this team is healthy, that the Browns are at least in the conversation with a lot of those other teams. And so this, again, if you just kind of go by what we've seen so far, should kind of fall in line with all that. Should be a loss here. Buffalo Bills at the New York Jets. I don't think we'll spend a ton of time on this one. The Bills are anywhere from 11 all the way to 13 point favorites. People can't decide just how big they think they're going to win this game over the Jets. We're going to have the Mike White show again for the Jets. 47 and a half or 48 is the total in this one. Um, Brad, listen, none of us have a bet on this thing, but we can at least give a little bit of insight here. Is the number too big? Do you think this is the okay, the Bills come out and really try to show people is McDermott the type of coach who's going to be like, okay, we laid an egg last week. So let's go win this one by 30. Like what, what do you think of this one? Because I don't think any of us believe that the jets are going to pull the outright upset in this thing. Um, that is the type of coach McDermott is in the bills are that they are happy to score 40 to blow a team out. I just, I just don't think they're very good. Right. I mean, we yeah. said this last week that their, their offensive numbers are really, really bang average um, offensive DOA 19th, 
PFF offensive grade twenty first. Like yeah. they're, they're just, I just don't think they're very good. Um, the, the defense is is based on playing a bunch of jokers. Now, do they have a joker this week? I, I mean, I kind of think Mike White is is sneaky good. Obviously, he put up those huge numbers in the first game, and then that first drive against the Colts on Thursday night. He like he, he was going through the front two reads on the front side and hitting the backside dig. Like he was hitting third yeah. progressions. It, I thought it was superb. Um, and I do wonder, like, if you think about the Jets with a competent quarterback, maybe they're not that bad because they they've got they had that rookie, you know, Zach Zach Wilson just making awful decisions, um, like three and out, three and out, three and out. Like I think they scored a point in the first quarter for the first seven weeks of the season, and obviously that just wore on the entire team, but. You know, I, I, I think the Jets with a with a competent quarterback might not be that bad. Um, so I would look a to that side of it, plus the 11, 12, 13, you know, obviously you want them all and possibly to the under, because um, I think, you know, if, if these Jets are playing hard and the Bills offense just isn't very good, um, I would prefer that side of it as well. Steven, the Jets defense has allowed a 12 to 1 touchdown to interception ratio uh, so far on the season. I I can't help shake that I think that the Bills, this is the type of game that the Bills goes out and just kind of really does beat the hell out of their opponent. Like, I, I think they're more of a lower tier uh, good team as opposed to a, a, a real contender as far as like for the Super Bowl or anything like that. But they they tend to beat up on bad opponents pretty well and of course i'm saying this after they they lost last week to the to the jacksonville jaguars but i do feel like this might set up fairly well for them to to put some points on the board i don't think i could take it take any points with the jets here if anything i think i'd lay it but it's probably just gonna be a sit back and watch for me to brad's point with mike white at quarterback it wasn't just him either i mean Josh Johnson came off the bench and threw for more than 300 yards and three touchdowns last week. And as a team, this is now back to back weeks where they've thrown for 398 plus yards in the game. So maybe it was just Zach Wilson's really young and has athletic tools, but doesn't, you know, cerebral doesn't have the cerebral knowledge to execute this offense yet. Right. So maybe it's that because this is now back to back weeks where the team has put up monster yards and 30 plus points. So, I'm going to stay away from this game because like, like Brad's been talking about motivation has been seemingly a a bigger factor this year. And and you would think the bills would have a bounce back spot here and it's against the defense that they can absolutely exploit. But I will say long-term here with the bills, I'm going to start looking for some potential value here in AFC futures because I do think they're vulnerable and that market has taken a lot of money on Buffalo to make them the favorite at the top. And I think the AFC is wide open, guys. I mean, the Bills are plus 250 at one book right now to win the AFC. They're kind of pretty much that price across. So you're getting plus... 450 or better for every other team in the AFC. So I'm going to wait maybe another week or two here and kind of see how things play out. But I think you can find some value here down the board in AFC futures, given what we've seen from this Buffalo team. Uh, One other thing I do want to point out, it is a pretty bad pass defense for this Jets team. And just 
for whatever reason, I mean, Josh Allen has just got a, has been locked on to Cole Beasley the last three weeks. Uh, uh, Cole Beasley, nine targets, 13 targets, and 11 targets the last three weeks for this Bills team. So when the props get posted, I think they're actually getting posted as we speak right now. But if you want to go and, and take a look at Cole Beasley props, he's, he tends to be, he tends to be the, almost like the first look for Josh Allen over the last few weeks here in that one. So maybe some Beasley props against a, like I said, against a really bad Jets pass defense. Matt, some, some Josh Allen numbers here before we move on just to kind of, oops, sorry, Brad. Yeah. Just Josh Allen and 30th and on target percentage this year below Jimmy Garoppolo and Sam Darnold, his, his tart, his, uh, his target percentage on target, I'm sorry, his on target percentage last year was 79%. That's dropped to 64.4%. That's despite having the same air yards per attempt. So how far he's throwing down the field hasn't changed, but his on target percentage has plummeted 15% this year from last year. Jacksonville Jaguars at the Indianapolis Colts. We're at another another double-digit spread here, guys. The Colts are 10, 10.5-point 10 home favorites over the Jags, a total of 47.5 or 48. Steven, if we take a look here, I mean, hey, it is uh, – we understand what we're – what we're getting here in a Jags team that basically just won their Super Bowl this past week. And I'm not, you know, I'm not spot guy, right? Like I don't really buy into that either when it comes down to stuff, but I do believe that there is something to a Jags team that thought they were going to get absolutely trucked last week and figured out a way to actually win the game that this Colts game has to mean far less to them than it did even, you know, a, a, a few days ago, just with the way that things played out. Um, Jags defense allowed the second most yards per pass attempt on the season. We've seen Carson Wentz start to kind of really form a good bond with Pittman. We've seen him really, uh, their, their uh, connection rate has been ridiculous the past three games as well. And, you know, the Jags team doesn't allow really that much on the ground. So it seems like it's going to be the Carson Wentz, Michael Pittman slash whoever else he decides to go through through the air show. Uh, Jags only giving up 3.5 yards per carry on the season and only 112 yards per game on the ground. So it looks like, you know, hey, what should be Carson Wentz dropping back and, and throwing often here? And do you think that he's good enough if he has to drop back and throw a ton to cover a double digit spread? Leave it to Urban Meyer to win a game that has left the market with zero confidence that he could actually repeat it the following yeah. week, right? Like the Jaguars won a game last week with 3.8 yards per play. I mean, that's, that's hilarious that that's how Jacksonville won a game here. So uh, there's nothing I can take away from that win for Jacksonville last week. And they're playing a Colts offense that is up to sixth in EPA, second in rush EPA after a slow start and a tough schedule. Jaguars are 28th and 18th defensively in those two categories. In terms of DVOA, this is the number 15 Colts passing offense against the number 32 pass D. So I, I don't have a bet pregame here because it's a big number, but if I'd be... I'd be looking to back the Colts at better numbers here down the road, considering how improved they are in the tough schedule they played early in the year. And for those that are interested in betting in this game, one thing to note, Carson Wentz's wife is apparently due to go into labor any day, maybe even Sunday. Uh, but Wentz has said he's going to play no matter what. Now, if that were my wife, I would have divorce papers uh, in my hand by Monday, but at least we can handicap knowing that he's going to be on the field. So uh, take that for what it's worth. 
Stephen, you also don't make twenty million dollars a year doing that. <laughs> so, like, you know, like there, there, there is that, right? Like, you know, I, I think that he just goes like, "Hey, I'll be over there when I'm done making the million dollars that I'm going to go make to uh, to go throw passes for a living." So <laughs> there you go. There is that. Well, he, he, he probably enjoys his contract. It's all about like having to play a certain amount of the snap, yeah. right? So he's probably going to lose a million dollars if he doesn't show up. So his wife. <laughs> Yeah, the exactly. Colts would yeah, actually like, probably be like, "Hey, uh, go, go, <laughs> beat them up in the first half and sit the rest of the half, so we don't have to give up a first round pick at the end of the year." Um, so, 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 Brad, we got a double digit spread here in this one. The only other thing I would add into this is the the again the the props are being kind of posted as we're recording this, so there's not one outright this second. But we saw Naeem Hines get a much bigger workload for this team this past week. Uh, Marlon Mack was a healthy scratch for this Colts team. I imagine that'll be the case yet again this week. And like I said, you, the Jags actually have a sneaky good run defense, but you can just pass all over this team. And so wouldn't surprise me again to see Naeem Hines get additional snaps for the Colts this week and, and catch a few additional passes. Now, this past week, you could get his his receptions, his reception prop at 10 and a half yards. It won't be that this week, but I mean, even if it's closer to 20, I think that's something I would take a look at uh, in this game as well. Brad, what do you think? Can they cover the double digits here? Um, I think the Colts offense is, is possibly underrated still in this game. Um, you know, they, they've got that fearsome offensive line, pretty much fully healthy again, Quentin Nelson back, the left tackle back. Um and if you look over the past five weeks, they're second in the NFL in, in EPA. Um, and and I, I do think... I do think uh, we're, we're going to get another flat Jacksonville again, right? They, they, they've won their game. I think team that showed up in Seattle and just got slaughtered um, rather than a team that, that's going to be playing hard again. Um, so, yeah, I, I like your Heinz look with the, with the Marlon Mack stuff. Uh, maybe a, a very good... Um, with the with the first quarter script and Jacksonville are not that at all, so um, I think I think you've got to have the Colts on side somehow. Um, but yeah, I guess we'll work out how you want to do it. Let's take a look at the Vikings at the Chargers. This is one of the more interesting lines of the week. It did at least move in favor of the Chargers. There were some people really scratching their head when this thing was under under three. It is a flat three now at most places in favor of the chargers and a total of about 53 Steven, what we've seen from this Vikings team week after week after week. I mean, if you're a Vikings fan, you probably have taken up drinking at this point because your team gets a lead. They get super conservative and then they go out and they end up losing the game. Now, if there was a team for the Vikings to get out to an early lead and then go into a shell and start to protect a lead, it would probably be the Chargers who have the worst run defense in the entire NFL. And so if there was, if this game does play out like a lot of these Vikings games have played out so far this season, this might actually be the one time where the strategy works out for Zimmer and he it doesn't look like a complete buffoon for blowing yet another lead. Uh, the Chargers can't stop anybody on the ground whatsoever. They gave up a ton of yards last week to Jordan Howard. I mean, like they pick the, the Eagles had signed Jordan Howard off the friggin' street a week and a half ago. He goes for like 77 yards and Boston Scott for another 40 or something like that. So um, 
again, I think the Vikings are in a spot where they might actually get bailed out in this game for bad strategy. And so I don't know, I kind of lean towards the, when, the, when this was sitting at two and a half, I was leaning maybe towards putting the Vikings in a teaser leg. I haven't done so as yet. And this thing looks like it's going to continue to climb, which there are some shaded threes right now. Like as if this is heading to three and a half, I might actually take a little bit of a nibble on the Vikings as crazy as that sounds. Yeah, I can't disagree with that at all. Our lead writer, Eli Hershkovich, in his underdogs column this week, likes the Vikings as a potential teaser leg at plus eight and a half or better. I do think we should mention, though, that despite the Chargers being the worst rush defense in the league and the reputation of the Vikings to be a strong rushing offense with Dalvin Cook and Mike Zimmer's stubbornness for the run game, that they've actually been pretty poor, at least in terms of the metrics this year. They're 29th in rush offense DVOA. They are 28th in rush EPA. They are 30th in rush success rate. So they they continued to establish it. They still want to do it, but they haven't been... The as successful as they've been in previous years. So, you know, all, everything you guys just handicapped is, is correct. I agree with all of it, but that's at least something to keep in mind for future weeks down the road here with this Vikings team. And hopefully we see an increased pass play percentage for them as the season goes on. Right now, they sit at 16th in that category in terms of the run pass split. Carolina Panthers on the road at the Arizona Cardinals. It is the battle of the backups in this one. It is going to be PJ Walker versus most likely Colt McCoy. Now it has not been made official yet, but I cannot imagine that the Cardinals are going to trot Kyler Murray out there. If he is even at 85% uh, in a game where they are 10 and a half point home favorites over the Panthers, pretty low total here, 44 in this thing, Stephen, um, look, if you if you look at this, this Cardinals team, even with Colt McCoy at quarterback, is superior to the Panthers in basically every single level of the game. Um, it, there is at least that defensive line for the Panthers that that at least at the beginning of the season was playing well. They haven't really shown up here all that much or at least haven't done anything to make a difference in any of the games here um, lately. But. I just, uh, it's a complete stay away for me. I mean, I'm getting a 10 and a half point spread with Colt McCoy. I understand he looked, he looked fine last week. He navigated a, a pretty good offense for this team that was lacking their top two wide receivers and was able to beat the piss out of the 49ers. Um, but yeah, you know, Carolina with PJ, I mean, PJ, Wal- Sam Darnold is horrible. PJ Walker is even worse than, than he is. I mean, like it's it, the, the offense for this Carolina team. It's. I don't know where the points come from. I just don't know where the points come from. Yeah, as we've been recording, Matt, we should mention that Kyler Murray did did speak to the media and said that his ankle feels, quote, way better than it did last week and that he's making, quote, crazy strides in a positive <laughs> direction. Now, he didn't practice Wednesday, and there have been reports that um, he's probably not going to get any work this week. Mm-hmm. So we'll, you have to monitor that at the very least. If there is word that he's going to play. I'd lay the 10, no problem right now Uh, because not only of Kyler Murray, but also because of what this Arizona defense has been doing since week five. If you look at the metrics, it's incredible. I mean, since week five, the, the Cardinals defense is first in EPA per play first in success rate, first in drop back EPA, first in drop back success rate, 
fourth in rush EPA and they they've their ninth in rush success rate. So part of that has been a little bit of an easier schedule, but you can't argue with those, those performances for this Arizona defense. They've been fantastic so far. So this is a well-rounded football team. And we saw that last week with Colt McCoy at quarterback against the 49ers and with the, the Carolina Panthers, this is a hilarious stat from Chris Towers at CBS Sports. Sam Darnold has thrown 160 passes over his past five games. 373 quarterbacks have thrown at least 160 passes in a season over the past decade. Darnold stretch would rank 372nd in yards per attempt, 371st in touchdown percentage, 370th in interception percentage. So, it quite literally can't get worse at quarterback for the Carolina Panthers, but it could still be really bad, right? With PJ Walker at quarterback this week for them against Arizona defense that has been incredible here now for more than a month. So it's a stay away for me, unless we know Kyler Murray is actually playing in this game. But I, I think that it's important that we recognize that this Cardinals team is not just an offense at this point. Philadelphia Eagles at the Denver Broncos. This is a spread that I think baffled some. Again, it was wondering, you know, listen, why do people keep buying into the Eagles? Why do people keep buying into the Eagles? Here we are. It was at um, it was at two. It was at three. Then it had gone down to two and a half. Now back up to three for the Denver Broncos as home favorites here. A forty five and a half to forty six total. So. We'll uh, we'll go to you. We'll go to you, Stephen. Tell us about uh, tell us about this game because I know that you were looking at this one as well. Uh, Denver minus two and a half or Eagles plus eight and a half teaser leg uh, with a low total of forty four and a half is kind of how I'm looking at this. I'm not sure which one I like better at this point, but those are the two angles I'm looking at. Uh, if this is three, I have no interest in Denver as a short favorite in a low total. But uh, Denver is bottom ten in every single pace scenario, so I I could see the argument for Eagles plus eight and a half teaser leg here with that low total. I just think that this is a very similar matchup. If you look at the metrics on both sides, the Eagles offense is 13th in DVOA, 23rd DVOA defense for Denver, the Denver offense, 14th in DVOA Phillies defense, 24th in DVOA. So on paper, there's a slight advantage for these offenses against the opposing defenses. And that applies as well to EPA and success rate. But I have to at least include the context there of what we talked about last week with this Philadelphia Eagles team, that it is my belief that their overall metrics this season have been at least partially and maybe substantially propped up by fourth quarter garbage time and a lot of games in the middle of their schedule so far this season. They are trying to hide Jalen Hurts at this point in the season. They were pass heavy early and now they could not be any more run heavy. Their team pass rate over expectation has plummeted to the lowest in the league in recent weeks. And now he has to face a Vic Fangio defense that is going to try and confuse him. They have solid secondary pieces to try and lock down these below average receivers and the Eagles almost have to be elite running the ball to contend in this game. They almost have to, 
you know, have to break off more than five yards of carry in this game. So given my belief that their overall metrics are, are flawed based on that garbage time, I'm leaning towards the Broncos at less than a field goal favorite. If I can get it um, over the Eagles teaser leg, because I still think there's a chance that the Eagles just are a bad football team that has feasted on dumb situations late in games and against a couple of very poor opponents where they got their wins. Seattle Seahawks on the road at the Green Bay Packers. This one started as high as Seahawks as five point underdogs. This has shrunk all the way down to three at DraftKings. It is three and a half at other books across the country. One, two, three, four, five other books are sitting at three and a half still. Three at DraftKings, a total of 49 and a half or 50. Steven, we know we are going to get Russell Wilson back. We expect that we are going to get Aaron Rodgers back. The difference here being that there he cannot be cleared until Saturday. And so if there is any sort of snafu going on in all of this, then it leaves a very, very small window for things to go back right in his direction. So at least we we are sure we're getting one of the quarterbacks. We are kind of sure we're getting the other quarterback in this one that said you are back in the pack if i can keep getting a good number here because i think this is going to be contingent on more money coming in before that saturday announcement as to whether rogers is going to play or not so it's hard for me to bet it now without knowing if he's going to clear or not i don't care that he will have not practiced for the whole week matt we've mm-hmm. already seen in this covid era teams that have gone through um you know high quarantine zoom meeting practice weeks and win games uh so that doesn't concern me this is still the best one of the best quarterbacks in the world uh but if you look overall this packers defense in recent weeks and really overall for the season has been great in terms of yards per play allowed only 4.2 yards per play allowed to kansas city last week they are fifth on the season in yards per play allowed and they've been doing this in recent weeks without jair alexander their top corner so i think the move in the midweek from five and a half down towards three has been because of the certainty of russell wilson coming back and the uncertainty of Aaron Rodgers. But this is also Russell Wilson, who hasn't played a game in weeks, hasn't been able to throw a ball with his finger. So um, if Aaron Rodgers clears, I'm going to be very quick to get to my sports book and try and get something under four here for the Packers. But obviously, I can't take that risk until we know that Rodgers is playing. Yeah, so I took a four on the Seahawks with the plan that if Rodgers somehow doesn't get cleared, that I would love having the four with the Seahawks. And if this thing, if he does clear, that most likely gets under a field goal. And then I'd be able to come back in on the Packers at under a field goal and have a nice little field goal middle in this game. So have a nice fat three for this thing to land on for me to win both bets. And so um, I kind of gave myself an out in the fact that that I'm on the Seahawks at over a field goal if he doesn't get cleared. And if he does, I truly believe that everyone will start piling on on the Packers and probably rightfully so. I mean, and, and with that, um, you got to remember with the Packers team as well, he, he got it. Well, he didn't get back. Jordan Love did last week, but Aaron Rodgers will have gotten back Marquez Valdez Scantling for this team. So there's at least a 
I'm not going to say decent number two, but at least he has a number two on the team at this point, you know, with, with MVS coming back out there, he plays a different role for this team. Offense should be a little bit more dynamic and maybe some, at least a tiny bit of the focus can be taken off of Devonte Adams to where he can kind of do his thing even more than he has been doing this season. So that is my strategy for this one. Again, I'm on Seahawks in the, in the off chance that the Packers don't get cleared for Aaron Rodgers, but if Aaron Rodgers does get cleared, I'll come back in on the Packers because I do think that they are the superior team here and I do think that they're the better team, but uh wasn't going to let that number get away just in case something goes wacky on Saturday and he doesn't actually end up getting cleared before this one. Kansas City Chiefs at the Las Vegas Raiders, the Chiefs. This is where we are at in 2021, Stephen, as we enter week 10. The Chiefs are not even a field goal favorite against the Raiders. They are two and a half point favorites against the Raiders. And this number has stuck since it came out. I mean, I thought for sure we would end up seeing the full field goal. It is not. People are not buying in on this chiefs team. Two and a half, 51 and a half to 52. Your total. What say you are? Is it, is this finally where they have bottomed out and it's time to buy back in on the chiefs? Or is this one of those deals where we just have to sit back and just understand that maybe this team's a, a, a mediocre team. I know there's some sharp betters in the sports betting world that are still keeping the faith with Kansas City, but I'm I'm having a hard time, Matt. Maybe you can talk me into it. Let, let's remove the team names from from this game. And since week six, one team is fourth in EPA, first in success rate, and is a home underdog. The other team is 21st in EPA, seventh in success rate, and is a road favorite. Which team are you betting on in that situation? Yeah, I know. I know. It's crazy. It's crazy. And that That's the home underdog, which is yeah. the Raiders. It's insane. So uh, the Chiefs defense, you know, you could argue that they've been improved in, in recent weeks. 29th on the year in defensive EPA. They're, they're 19th in EPA per play since week six. But the quarterbacks they faced in that span were Taylor Heineke, Ryan Tannehill, Daniel Jones, and Jordan yeah. Love. So how is it real or is it not real? And can the Chiefs offensive line hold up, Matt? Like You pointed this out to us in our Slack channel in the middle of the week. The Raiders are elite in getting pressure without blitzing, which, in my opinion, is the last remaining cheat code for NFL defenses in this era of crazy offense. They are fifth in pressure rate despite having the second lowest blitz rate. All of those things should add up to them winning this game. The only thing stopping us from betting on them is our prior bias on what we've seen the Chiefs been yeah. in previous years. It's the truth. It's the truth. So I don't know. I don't know how to wrestle with that because it's it's really hard for me to put that out of my brain for what the Chiefs have been in previous years. Yeah, I mean, look, this Chiefs defense. We already talked about you know how bad they've been. Yes, they've been a little bit better over the last couple of weeks, but they're still allowing six point nine yards per play on first down it's the worst in the nfl and so if Derek carr and company aren't really having to deal with third and longs and things like that i mean but but i think the most concerning here is patrick mahomes and this chief's offense the chiefs are 26th in the league in epa per play over the last three weeks 26th in the league in epa per play yeah over the last crazy. three weeks they are 30th in the nfl in points per play over the past three weeks mm. mahomes set another season low with 4.5 yards per attempt this past week against the Packers. 
He has two touchdown passes over his last three games. I mean, this Chiefs offense somehow got broken. And I don't know if Andy Reid lost his fastball and and or if they just figured out these defenses have figured out some way, somehow along the way, how you Matt, go about attacking thing. this team. I don't think it's like some crazy complex scheme that the teams that are beating yeah. them are, are employing here. I mean, look at what the Raiders will do this week. They don't blitz. They're yeah. going to only send four. That leaves you seven deep. That allows you to double Tyree kill, double Travis Kelsey and go one-on-one on the other remaining eligible receivers. It's not complex. It's just the other, if they're going to double their top two weapons, the other guys haven't been getting open enough on a consistent basis and, or the chiefs O line hasn't been able to block just four rushers. Yeah. And I, I expect Mahomes will, will get pressured a ton. You know, I mean, as you mentioned, I mean, the, the rate Ra- Ra- Raiders don't have to blitz. They, they only blitz on 13% of dropbacks, which is 31st in the NFL. And they're still one of the top top in the league as far as getting pressure. And so I don't expect that to change against this Chiefs team. And I think that that means Patrick Mahomes probably sees more of the same this week than we've seen for him over the last month. And so I'm kind of with you, man. Like, yeah, maybe the teaser leg here with the Raiders at plus eight. that's, That's what I'm saying. Like, why have why am I not considering this with a home team? You know, like, why am I not considering this? It's a home team that I'm going to get up to eight and a half. Against an offense that, again, I, I it's been bad. I mean, I just read you the stats. I mean, like, they're 26th in the league in EPA per play over the last three weeks. They are literally 30th in the NFL in points per play over the last three weeks. I mean, they have not been good. They've been bad. And so, I don't know. I think you're right, man. We're just, we had these priors burnt into our head where we probably should be sitting here going, why shouldn't we bet the Raiders as opposed to, like, why shouldn't we bet the Chiefs? It's almost like we should be looking at this from a reverse standpoint. I, I can't find any argument at this point to bet the Chiefs other than blind faith that they will start looking like the offense we've seen in the past. That's I, And it's hard for me to bet on blind faith. Yeah, so I think we've kind of both gotten to the point where throughout this game, I mean, it's it's like it'd be Raiders or nothing for me. And, and I know that's crazy to say and, and you know, I can't believe we're to that point with this with this Chiefs we team. Had this, but. We had the same situation when they played the Buffalo Bills, Matt. We we bet the Chiefs at less than a field goal on blind faith that the Chiefs should never be less than a field goal favorites, and we got torched by it. So yeah. at some, we're deeper into the season now. The metrics have to matter. Monday Night Football, the Rams at the 49ers. The Rams are three-and-a-half to four-point road favorites over the 49ers, a total of 49 painted across the board. Steven, I am on the Los Angeles Rams. I will have the, I will go down in flames with this team yet again this week. If they Mm -hmm. decide to no show and lay an egg, but from what I saw, here's the thing. I think this is getting, I think this number moving in favor of the 49ers is because the, the Rams played in prime time. And the last thing we saw was them laying an egg and completely getting, completely getting embarrassed and people were not watching that window of the 49ers game where, by the way, the 49ers were the team that really got embarrassed this past week and got embarrassed by a backup quarterback without DeAndre Hopkins and without A.J. Green. And they were never even in that game, Stephen. It was a pathetic performance by the 49ers. And I have really started to question Kyle Shanahan 
the results just aren't there on the field. They're not winning games. And not only are they winning games, he is making very, very curious decisions. They're down three scores this past week. You saw he punted the ball in the fourth quarter. They're down three scores and he's punting the ball. Like, who cares if you lose by who cares if you lose by 30? Yeah. The only chance you have to win is to actually try and score. And like you punt you're down three scores, you're punting the ball away in the fourth quarter. Like I don't know, man. I, I think this is a, a big time coaching advantage for McVay over uh, Shanahan here. And honestly, from a talent standpoint, outside of save, maybe uh, George Kittle at the tight end position, a big time positional advantage for the Rams all over the field as well. Uh, I think this three and a half number is is too short. And I think it's some bias here because everybody was watching that Rams Titans game and that 49ers game was kind of going on under the radar. And I think if people would have, I think if this were reversed and the whole country would have been watching the 49ers performance against a backup quarterback with no DeAndre Hopkins and no AJ Green and them just getting absolutely blitzed, I think we'd be looking at this number at closer to six. Yeah, it, it is up slightly from the look ahead line of minus three. So there is that, but I agree that it, I'm surprised it's not more. And I think it is because the Rams laid an egg on Sunday night football. But it, let's look at what happened in that game. They lost that game because Matt Stafford threw two bonehead yeah. picks, right? I mean, that's why the they Titans lost. didn't even have 200 yards offense. No, they the had game. less than four yards <laughs> per play on offense. Yeah. So it, they didn't, it wasn't the defense that did anything. So the Rams defense is still legit and they're playing a, a Niners offense that really only has, um, yeah, they're they're better with with Kittle and and Ayuk back. We saw that, but I mean, there was. I'm a 49ers fan. I hate my team at this point because that was the most embarrassing display against a backup quarterback last week. Most embarrassing display that we've seen by any team in the league this year, in my opinion. That was horrific. And to your point about Kyle Shanahan, I think they were down 16 at one point in the second half. They scored a touchdown. And he kicked an extra point instead of going for two to try and make it a one possession game. Like, what the hell are you doing, man? Like, you could have made it eight. Instead, you're sitting there at nine and you're in the same place you were before he scored the touchdown. So just a lot of things going wrong for the 49ers right now. Most importantly, their defense is a complete mess. And now they face if they did that against Colt McCoy last week, gave up 37 points. Now they face potentially you know not potentially one of the top three offenses in the league and we only have to cover a little more than a field goal I'm, it's going to be hard for me not to bet the rams here yeah like the rams a ton here uh, like i said i think that this would be a lot different if the roles were reversed from last week where everybody was watching like you said just one of the worst performances of of the season not just from the week of the season that 49ers team that was a that was a horrific a horrific joke. performance yeah on both sides of the ball so um, I think this is a, a real, real, real good spot to back the Rams in this one. Guys, as always, everything we do is absolutely free over on the lines and play picks. So be sure and head in and go take a look at everything that we're doing over there. If you're on the if you're watching us on YouTube, then go ahead and hit that subscribe button. We really do appreciate your support there. And also, as you head over to the lines, you're going to notice up, or up in the top right-hand corner, a little Discord icon. Yes, we started a Discord channel, so come in, talk some football with us, and let us know what you think about the games going on throughout the course of the week as well. Uh, we'll try to get Brad's internet connection uh, between us and London a little bit better for next week, and he can join us for the entire podcast. And uh, But until then, for Steven, I'm Matt. Talk to you guys next week. 
Bet basketball, baseball, or hockey with a risk-free bet up to $600 at BetMGM. Sign up and use bonus code THELINES and you're on your way with the king of sportsbooks. Get the BetMGM app today and use promo code THELINES to make a risk-free bet up to $600. This is a new customer offer. Paid in free bets. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. 21 years or older to wager. Colorado, Indiana, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Nevada, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, or West Virginia only. Excludes Michigan disassociated persons. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado, Nevada, and Virginia. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia. And 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. In Tennessee, call or text the red line at 800-889-9789. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. Promotional offer not available in Nevada. <laughs> 